Um, this summer was our ninth summer of camping uh, ministry, and uh, we had over 382 campers this year. Um, so every year, God has been great and uh, growing the ministry. And uh, we actually saw over 40 youth pass from darkness to light as coming to know Jesus as the Lord and Savior. So you guys are part of that, and I just want to let you know that God did great things this summer, and we're looking for great things next year during our 10th year anniversary. So uh, we're just expecting fantastic stuff from that. Pastor Lee, when he asked me to speak, he said, he did say, do you not speak to adults? I said, well, I, I could try. You know, uh, I don't do it very often, but I, I have done it. Um, so I have blow pops for everybody who behaves himself after the service. Um, just kidding. Um, <laughs> that makes me laugh. But I did wear a tie, so I feel pretty grown up today. I don't very often get to wear a tie. Um, the theme verse for this summer, I'm going to use the same uh, verse for today's lesson, um, Ephesians 5, 8. And uh, it says, For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light. This is a very powerful verse, and it really spoke to the youth uh, this summer very powerfully. Um, if you break it down in parts, it's before you were something that was not good. You were in darkness. But because Jesus came down and redeemed you through his blood and washed you and cleansed you and made you something new, he brought you into the light. Now, now that you have been brought into light, you are to now live as children of light. That is where it counts. That is where your life means something. This is where you, as a believer, make it count. Because there's many people that are watching how you live, how you interact, how you lose your temper, how you uphold the name of Christ at work. People are looking at you to see how you live. So living as children of light carries a great, great responsibility. Now, to live implies that we are actually living. We are doing this daily. We are active. We are walking with passion. We're walking with purpose. We're walking with a hope because we have a future. Now, if there's anyone here today who does not know Christ as their Savior, this does not describe you. There's something completely different for you. So the gospel needs to be shared with you so that you know that before you leave here today, what you need to do before you leave so you can be a children or a child of light. You see, Jesus came down and shed his blood for you while you were still in darkness. And he gave you the ability to believe in him as the son of God so that you can move from darkness to light and become an heir to God. That's the gospel. It's that simple. Your sins are forgiven and you move from darkness to light. Now we try to complicate that and throw a bunch of things in there, but that's basically what it is. Ephesians 4, 17 through 20 will describe to, some, describe to us somebody who has not done this yet. It says, so I tell you this and insist on it in the Lord that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. They are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Having lost all sensitivity, they have given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity and they are full of greed. These passages here describe 
the person who is not moved from darkness to light, based in three ways. They are blind, they are bound, and they are still dead in their transgressions. Turn over to the book of Philippians. The book of Philippians, chapter 3, verse 18 through 19. It says, For I, for as I often have told you before, and now tell you again, even with tears, many live as enemies of the cross. Their destiny is destruction. Their God is their stomach. Their glory is in their shame. Their mind is set on earthly things. This is quite a checklist for somebody who has not yet experienced what it is to move from darkness to light. First, they are bound, they are blind, and they are still dead in their sins. Next, they are described as enemies of the cross. Their destiny is destruction. Their God is their stomach. And this isn't talking about this. This is talking about they have a lust for sin and the things of this world. Their glory is in the, glory in their shame. There's no longer a shameful uh look on the things of this world or sin. They actually glory in it. Their mind is set on earthly things. Let's go back to live. Because we have to know that how to live. We have to know why we have to live. Why do we get off track sometimes? Why do we step and dabble back into the darkness which we came out of? Why? You see, our society, our churches, our families, our country... Maybe some of you in here, we have what's called a heart problem. And we're not talking about this thing in here that's beating blood throughout our veins and uh, allowing us to live. We're talking about your will, your emotions, your inner being, that central part of you that allows you to make decisions on a daily basis. You see, if we have a heart problem, we have a divided life. We're divided. We sometimes live as though we don't even know the truth. See, how many times have you heard somebody or you've seen somebody act in a certain way, and yet they turn around and say that they're a Christian. You just want to cringe. You want to just look. You want to say, how in the world can they say they're a Christian? But before we go any further, I don't want you to think that this is a, a lesson or a message to condemn you or to make you feel horrible about yourself. Because, see, this message came out of something that I walked through this week with a person that's very close to me. I saw this person live a divided life. I saw this person have the consequences of living a divided life. I've seen them walk through now the repentance and humility of being and living a divided life. And I'm sure God in his sovereignty knew what I wanted to speak on before he allowed this to happen. But it became that much more personal to me and it made, us under, made me understand that if we don't have mercy and if we don't have love and we don't, if we can't look at each other without a condemning eye, then we are just as bad as anybody else in the world. So we have to have mercy, we have to have love, we have to have compassion. And this is not a message to condemn you or to make you sit there and feel so horrible about yourself. This is to encourage you not to live a divided life. You see, your heart will determine whether you are living as a child of light or you're living as a child of darkness. Your choices, your actions, your decisions determine in what direction and what you're going into. Whether you're going to walk in light or you're going to walk in darkness. You see, we have a heart problem and possibly don't even know that we're sick. Maybe some of us in here today are in need of a spiritual awakening. Maybe we need Christ's light to shine on us, let us know that we've been asleep and living as the world lives. So let's look at this and say how maybe some of us 
can awake from the darkness that we're in. Now, unfortunately, if I look out here in the audience, I know for a fact that there are people in this audience today in this service that have had to undergo open heart surgery. If you have had to do that, let me just see your hand. I know we have a few. We have Mr. Pinder. We have Pastor Lee just recently. Right here, right here. There's a few of you. It's a very serious thing. And thank God we have the technology to fix those problems. But if I guarantee if you talk to these men and you ask them things that were going on in their life before they had this surgery, you pretty much get things like, you know, poor circulation, some tiredness, numbness, tingling, pains in the chest or the arms, shortness of breath. Those were not the problems that was wrong with them. These were just warning signals. These were just signs. These were symptoms that something major was wrong. Something much deeper was lurking behind the shadows. So physically, we can look at what it is to have a problem with our heart. Now, spiritually, what does this look like? Well, spiritually, we also have signals. We have symptoms. We have warning signs from God that something is wrong. And if you look at our society and you read the newspaper and you read the things that are going on, it's just crazy what is going on in our country. We have a heart problem. I see things like greed, violence, sexual promiscuity, aggressiveness, bad attitudes, anger, chaos in our families, spiritual apathy, where we spend our time, where we spend our money, selfishness, jealousy, quarrels, and the list could go on and on and on. But these are not the problem. These are just the symptoms that there's something else wrong. And it's got to start in the church. It's got to start in our family. It's got to start with us personally, that we no longer live a divided life. We no longer want to live where people can't know if we're a Christian. You see, we could point fingers at the world very quickly and say, yeah, that's them right there. But we have to point at us first. Because the world is supposed to be that. Because they don't know Jesus Christ. That is what they are supposed to do. So we can't get mad at the world. We have to get mad at ourselves. And look at ourselves first. In the Bible, and I guess if you Google this, there's probably different answers for this. But what I got was there's over, so I'll say over because it Google either way, 806 verses in the Bible that mention the word heart. Over 806. Now, it must be important to God and it's got to be important to us. He put it in there 806 times for us to read about. There's got to be something he's trying to tell us. So what does the Bible say about the heart? Now, I just put a few verses here. You don't have to look them up. I'll just read them to you. Um, here's a sample. Jeremiah 17:9. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? And Matthew 12:34. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Matthew 6:21. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Matthew 15, 18 and 19. But what comes out of the mouth proceeds from the heart and defiles a person. For out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual morality, theft, false witness, slander. Luke 6, 45. The good person out of the good treasure of his heart produces good. And the evil person out of the evil treasure produces evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. These verses are very clear. The heart is, has the ability to produce good and has the ability to produce evil. Nowhere here does it say it has the ability to produce both at the same time. You are either one or you're the other. And if you are doing both things off and on, off and on, 
There's a problem. You, know, you have a divided heart. So what does God want from us? What does God want from us? See, because many of you probably are sitting here today saying, yeah, boy, I'm glad here so-and-so and so is here. They need this. They need to hear this. Because us Bahamians, we like to point the finger quick and say, they need to hear that. That's good. I'm glad they're sitting there. Take it. But the truth be told, we all need to hear this. We all need to know what the truth is. You see, we have to look at where our heart is and where we stand with the word of God. And are we being faithful and obedient to the full? Now, I understand that all of us are faithful in a lot of areas. There are favorite areas. We're faithful in those. And we're good with those. A lot of us are faithful in some areas. You know, we have some you know, checks covered there. But very few of us are faithful across the board. And that's the problem with where we are today. We need to step it up. There's two questions I want to ask you. And the first one is this. Does God have all your heart? Or just enough to what's needed to get you here on Sunday? Does he have it all? Does he have all your affections? Or just enough to make you feel good about life so you can justify and push away everything else you're doing? You see, if he can't have all your heart, if he can't have all your affections, you're divided. He He wants it all. The Bible says God is a jealous God. He's not interested in having an unfaithful bride. He's not interested in having somebody who's going to cheat on him. He's not interested in having somebody who's only going to be halfway obedient. They almost got it right. He wants all of us. I think of Joshua every time I speak about this subject. Because Joshua was a man's man. He was a dude among dudes. This guy was solid, as I like to say, in Nassau. He was solid. I knew you appreciate that. He didn't play around. Joshua was a man that was not divided, period. He stood. He stood for God. If you didn't like it, you may get killed. That's how Joshua was. He didn't play around. He drew the line in the sand. He said, choose you this day whom you will serve. But as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. That's what we need to do. There's no division there. There's no questioning. There's no thinking about, well, I wonder if Joshua is watching pornography on the Internet. I wonder if Joshua is, you know, stealing from work. No. Joshua was the man. He wasn't divided. Now, whether you know it or not, whether you want to be part of it or not, or whether you care or not, we are in a battle. We are in a war. And even if you don't care or you don't want to be part of it or you don't know about it, it's coming on you. It's already here. And the battle we're in right now is for the very souls that you have around you every day. It's for our young people's lives. It's for their eternal destinies. This battle has a price that's way too high that we can afford to fool around with our Christianity. We can't afford to fool around with hypocrisy. We can't afford to fool around with living a double life. Because the lives that are at stake are going to die and they're going to go to hell. And all of us in here have people that we love dearly. We have people in our families. We have people that maybe we've been married to. We may have children that do not know the Lord as their Savior. How are we living in front of them? Can they look at our life and say that my parents, my brothers, my sisters, my aunts, my uncles, my pastor, whatever, can they say that that person is living 100% for Christ? And I can look at them and I know 
that's what Christianity looks like. See, because I would hate to be the reason that somebody did not come to know Christ as a Savior. And I understand that, that God is sovereign, and I understand all the things about salvation. But I would hate to have, give them a reason to hold on to and say, I blame so-and-so. And I understand that the blame lies with us because we're without excuse. But I would still hate to know that my life was a reason why someone used as an excuse. Now, what does God want from us? See, he wants... He wants people who are invested in the battle. He wants people whose lives, interests, money, activities, passions are in this battle. He wants people whose hearts are after the souls. He wants people whose hearts are after him and wants what he wants. That's what God wants. So where are you? Are you all in or are you just enough to make you feel good about yourself? You see, because that's what we call idolatry. And idolatry is where we create a God, we create a religion or Christianity that we call Christianity. We create this that it suits our needs. It suits our life. We we don't disrupt our unfaithful heart because that would be too hard. It gets too messy. We're divided. A God who bends to us rather than we bending to him. See, we have a heart problem. We want the reward of a faithful, loyal soldier. We want it all. And you put that in Bahamian terms, like, I ain't gonna lie, I wanna go to heaven and all, but, you know, yeah, I wanna go to heaven, but, you know, if the cost is too great, uh, I'm just gonna go to church on Sunday. I'm good. The book of Second Chronicles. I want you to go there, if you will. Um, chapter 34. I'm talking about a, a boy named Josiah, who was eight years old when he became king. Now, the pastor I'm reaching now is not when he was eight. He was a little older. But Josiah did not waver to the left or to the right during his entire reign of 38 years, 31 years, whatever it was. He was a man after God's heart. He did not bend. He was not divided. Here's what 2 Chronicles 34, 31 through 33 says. Then the king stood in his place. It's a pretty powerful statement right there. He stood in his place and made a covenant before the Lord to walk after the Lord and to keep his commandments and his testimonies and his statutes. And here we go. With all his heart, not half, all his heart, with all his soul, to perform the words that were covenant that were written in this book. Moreover, he made all who were present in Jerusalem and Benjamin to stand with him. So the inhabitants of Jerusalem did according to the covenant of God, the God of their fathers. Josiah removed all all the abominations from all the lands belonged to the sons of Israel and made all who were present in Israel to serve the Lord their God throughout his lifetime. They did not turn from following the Lord their God of their fathers. That's pretty impressive. That's a man who is undivided. That's a man who knows what he wants to do and he's going to accomplish it. There's no left, there's no right, it's there. And anything else has to go. So the question comes back to us. Will we simply exchange one form of impurity for another? Or will we stand in our place like Josiah? Will we become undivided in all our heart, in all our soul? Will you continue to tolerate the idols of immaturity and sensuality that have taken hold of your affections? You see, sin is pretty simple. It's pretty simple when you look at it. We sin because we want to. We sin because we like it. 
We sin because we have cravings for it. We have to take a different view of what sin is and to be able to break the, the habits of our sinful ways. You see, because God is looking for people who are all in. He's looking for people who are undivided. He's looking for people who will remove and cleanse from the heart the things, the abominations that should not be there. Josiah did not play. He removed everything that was anti-God. We have to be willing to do the same. And this means we have to take a step back and look at our life. We have to get, get down and dirty with it. We have to look at everything, what we're involved in, our interests. We have to look at everything and ask, what does God want me to do? Because there's enough people in this room right now where if we had to get serious about our faith, if we had to get serious about changing this country, we could do it. I guarantee you we could do it. But it, it, it takes work, it takes effort, it takes you having have a desire to be undivided. See, there's a huge difference in saying, I believe in Jesus and I worship him. That's all good, and that's commendable, that's what we should do. But there's a huge difference between saying that and actually be following after Jesus with everything we have. Because it's easy to say we believe in Jesus, and it's easy to come here and worship Jesus and then go home. But it's not easy to follow him on a daily basis Monday through Sunday and live an undivided life. So you see, it's rather simple. We complicate our life. We complicate it with our agendas. We complicate it with our choices, with our decisions. We complicate it with our sin. God wants all your heart. He wants all your soul. If you're not willing to give him all of either of those, your affections, your, your, your desires, your heart, then you're living a divided life and you're still dabbling in the darkness of this world. You see, the world is loud and the world is assaulting you on a daily basis. It's in your face, it's in your internet, it's on your television, it's on at your workplace. Uh, me and Colton, we went and played basketball a few times this last week and yes, I could still hoop it up if I have to. Um, being old, uh, but we went to different parks and played with different guys and whatever. And I'm telling you, the world is loud. I learned vocabulary vocabulary words I, I I didn't know existed. You know, I had to go home and get on my knees and pray and get down and ask God to forgive me for even listening to it. That's how bad it was. But it's like you know, the world's loud and they don't care. They're not apologizing for being loud. They're gonna do what they got to do to get their message across. What are we doing? You see, we have to be willing to be undivided in all that we do. Because the world doesn't care. They're divided. No, they're not even divided. They're just over there. And they don't care. Let's all take a step back now. Take a deep breath. Look at our life. Take a step back and let's see. Examine where we stand with God. Let's all look at our heart and where we stand with God. Let's all look and see where our affections lie. If we're unsure, look at where we spend our Time, our money, our interests, look where our thoughts lie, look where our desires are. All these things will show you if you're close to the heart of God or you're not. It's very easy to figure out. This morning when I came in, I noticed you have on the screen Proverbs 4.23. And uh, I saved this one for last because it's that important. This says, above all else, guard your heart. For everything you do flows from it. I like that version. Above all else, above all else, guard your heart. For everything you do flows from it. Everything comes from your heart. Everything.
If you're divided, what do you think that looks like? Back to uh, the theme verse. For you were once darkness, living with a divided heart. But now you are light, knowing the truth of Christ in the Lord. Live. This applies freedom, power, purpose, passion. Live a life with an undivided heart as children of light, children of truth. Everything flows from your heart. And the question I want you to ask yourself today is, are you all in? Because, go back to what I said before, I deal with young people, and we have a lot of them come through our doors. From atheists to you name it, they come through our doors. And I hear them talk, and I hear what they say, and I hear them, you know, their opinion of our country and where it's headed. Our youth are being sacrificed because we had divided hearts. And we need to get serious. We have a country that is loaded with young people. Loaded with young people that are under the age of 25. I think 60% of our population is under the age of 25. That's crazy. If we don't do something now about these young people and get their hearts back for Christ and let them see Christ living in us, then we will lose this country to the world. And we'll have nothing to look back on and blame but ourselves. Because we've got to be different. The church has got to be different. Families have to be different. We have to be different. I have to be different. Ministries have to be different. Because we have to reach the lost people of our country. And I look around the audience today, I see a lot of campers that came to camp this year. That came out. That's why we do ministry. To save their, their lives. Their souls. To move them from darkness to light. So they can move from something that they never were to something that they could be brand new in Christ. And that's what it's all about. And you're singing a song called Your Great Name. The challenge for you this week is to go out and make Jesus famous in all you do this week. Look at your life. Look back at where you are. What you participate in. Associations you have. And start checking off what needs to go. Without apologizing. And let it go. Because we represent Christ. Do you represent Christ? you represent him all? Or just don't tell anybody you are a Christian? Because it's embarrassing. 